We've talked a lot about the offensive players the Steelers drafted, especially with Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington. But we need to talk more about the defensive players they drafted, and specifically Keanu Benton and Joey Porter Jr. and Nick Herbig. To do that, we brought a former Steelers defender himself, Arthur Motes, on the show. He's going to give us all his insights. It's going to be a fun one here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting app and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today we're joined by a special friend of the show, former Steeler himself, Arthur Motes. He returns the Steelers linebacker himself. And most you and I were talking off camera about this draft class and we both like everyone feel pretty positively about the move that they the moves that the Steelers have made but I want to focus specifically on the defense and Joey okay. Porter Jr. Okay. There were some out there Motes that thought that oh they're just picking him for nepotism oh they're picking him because Mike Tomlin's kid knew him and stuff like that and Joey and Peasy and this is just a good story but you and I evaluate players. We study yeah. tape. We look at things. And yes, Joey Porter Jr. does have weaknesses. But to get him in the second round, mm-hmm. to me, screams high value for what you could get. You get a top one of the top corners, in my opinion, of this draft class. What about Joey Porter's game excites you the most that, that he's going to bring to the Steelers secondary? Oh, man, that's easy. To me, it's his length and his ability to reroute guys. Him, when you watch him in the press, He is so sticky with his hands in terms of just seeing them home and ultimately redirecting and rerouting these receivers and ultimately giving them fits. It's very rare you see a receiver have a free release or a clean release versus him. And at the NFL level, when you're talking about them athletes, them unicorns that are on offense, you do not want them getting free releases. You want to do whatever you can to disrupt them. And that's the part of his game that I think translates the best but then I also just love how big he is because we have been getting more comfortable with smaller corners. Nothing wrong with small corners, but mm-hmm. let's be real. I mean, Joe Hayden, Cam Sutton, they're not the biggest of guys. And we know when we start tapping into, you know, the slots and stuff like that, it gets even smaller. So for us to get back to more of a corner that is literally in the frame of like a Ike Taylor type, the last big dominant corner we've had, to me, that's an even more exciting part as well. Now, uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned Ike Taylor because Ike Taylor talked about how, uh, you know, there's a lot of respect there between him and PZ. And I think it was on the All Things Covered uh, podcast with Bryant McFadden that uh, they they talked to Ike and he said something to the effect of, you know, he's already given, like, he's already been told Joey Porter's going to wear 24 to honor him. And he called, and P, you know, PZ Sr. said that's for Uncle Ike and and things like that. It's like that, that is a cool thing here. I just I, I think that part of the interesting discussion here about who Joey Porter Jr. is going to be for the Steelers cornerback room, I think there's a potential for him to redefine what it means to be a Steelers corner, right? Because you've heard it over the years. Don't draft the corner. You're not good at it. You just can't find one. And maybe 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 they'll strike out again. Who knows? But the way that Joey Porter plays this game, 
I think it's a little bit different from the guys that they've tried to get in the yeah. past. Guys like Justin Lane, guys like, you know, Cortez Allen over, over the years. To me, Joey Porter Jr., he, he brings that physicality. He knows, and it's not just that he jams the routes. He knows yeah. how to get which routes, which routes he needs to take away from. This guy studies the game very well. And, you know, it's funny. I was going back and forth with, you know, some people who posed. There was a guy who posted a clip of uh, Joey Porter Jr. getting beat for a touchdown. And I was like, hey, this was in 2020 when he was like a sophomore. So, like, you know, what about right. now? Like, what is, right. is it a little different now? And when he doesn't pull up, give up, pull up the same Ohio State play, where's Chris Olave from three years ago talking about? Mm-hmm. Come on, man, we get it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it, and it, but at the same time, he also has plays where he's breaking up passes in the end zone Absolutely. against guys like Garrett Wilson. Absolutely. I just. I think a big part of what Joey Porter Jr. does so well is is not just the physicality, but knowing when to apply it. And he's gotten better at that. He still needs work. You know, there's times that he could be flagged for being a little too physical. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. The one thing that everyone nitpicks him about, because it's it's easy to do when you just read box scores, is he had yeah. one career interception in college. Most when you watch his tape, does does mm-hmm. the way he played the ball alarm you, or do you think that the one interception was more circumstantial to people not throwing the ball his way as much? One hundred percent circumstantial to people not throwing his way as much. The stats reflect that. You look at just this past season, game one, he got targeted a ton. He had a ton of PBUs. He was sticky in coverage. I believe it was Purdue they were playing against. Then you look at the rest of the season. Man, he's getting maybe two to three targets a game. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about being a man-to-man corner, man-to-man coverage typically doesn't produce a ton of interceptions basically because your eyes, you know, in right. man-to-man, your eyes are going to be on your receiver. You have to watch his body. Is he chopping? Is he high knees and fast elbows? Where is his eyes going and things like that? Whereas in mm-hmm. zone, you're able to have big vision, see the quarterback and read more route concepts and jump stuff. And that's where you get your interceptions at. So for PZ Jr., a lot of it was that. He's a man-to-man corner who was extremely physical at the point of attack and jamming up a lot of these receivers. And outside of that first game, you do not see a ton of people throwing at him. And I just think that when you get to this level, he's going to get tested. Mm-hmm. He's going to be challenged a lot more, but he's also going to be able to do more in terms of the exotic coverages that we've run at the NFL level than what you're capable of doing at the collegiate level. And it's not that he wasn't able athletically to do it in college. It's just everybody on the field isn't going to be able to do those things along with being able to adjust on the fly at that level. And that's typically why you see those points getting up to the 40s, 50s, because you just can't adapt and adjust that fast at that level for those guys. No, I, I agree. Also, to point out uh, to, to Moses' point about the Purdue game, Porter was targeted 14 times, allowed six catches for 66 yards, yeah. no touchdowns, also had five pass breakups. Yeah. The passer rating when he was targeted mm-hmm. was 57.4. So yeah. he did a pretty doggone good job when they first tried mm-hmm. to go after him. And like you said, the most he was targeted after that was, was yeah. five times by Central Michigan, and he allowed mm-hmm. one catch for five yards. So right. – he was in position pretty regularly. And I, I, I agree with you. When you look at the way he's playing, and so, I forget who noted this initially, but he does turn his ball, his head around to his find the ball. Absolutely he, he does. Yes. And, and that's not easy when you're when you're doing all the things, especially when you're doing against yeah. some of the premier talents, not just the NFL, but in college football, yeah. the guys that are so fast that if you feel like you, if you take your eyes off them for mm-hmm. a second, they could run past you and then you just gave up the big play. Yeah. But he was so comfortable 
when you see the ball, when he sees that, when he feels that the ball is in the air, turn, find, mm-hmm. and at least swat at it to challenge yeah. it. And to me, that was a good sign that right. when things do go his way in the NFL and he gets more chances, he will be able to turn, find the ball, and make interceptions right. here. And I also think, think, think there won't be that too much pressure on him to yeah. do that because the Steelers have Minka Fitzpatrick, Demonte mm-hmm. KZ, guys who will be waiting for, hey, Joey Porter, just take that guy uh, out, of, out of the equation. Yeah. If, he, if he comes your way, we got we got help coming mm-hmm. your way. I just I don't think that this interception thing is, is as bad big of a problem as some people have made it out to be i looked at it like this um the interception critique is no different than the kenny pickett hand size critique Mm. during the draft process certain things are going to get brought up because we're nitpicking we're trying to decide why is devin witherspoon and christian gonzalez so much better than a jpj it's not because they're taller it's not because they're you know so much faster all right well let's just go with the interceptions and if you don't watch the tape like me and you do, then people just get enamored with that narrative. You can see I, I was almost annoyed because I'm just like, we hear this so much, but if you watch him on tape, you will see exactly what's going on. This guy can turn the ball over if he needs to. It's yep. just about opportunities. He's a former receiver in high school. We've seen this dude catch. I know I've seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any problem with his hands, man, but he'll get the opportunities at this level because as a rookie corner with high draft pedigree and your last name being Porter in the AFC North, they're going to want to test that. So, you know, for him, man, we're going to get a chance to really see him grow in that lane. But to me, man, he he's the one I'm super excited about just because you're getting literally a first-round talent at pick 32 for us, though. I, I hear you on that. I want to get more of your personal insights on just not just Joey Porter Jr., but Joey yeah. Porter Sr. He coached you when, when, he was with, when, when he was with the Steelers. So I want to get yeah. your insights on some things there. We'll do that in just a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. So don't go anywhere. But first, before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, of course, the number one sportsbook in America. And right now with the NBA playoffs on fire, you need to get to, to FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And if you're new, they have what's called the No Sweat First Bet, which gives you a chance to get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on and sign up today to claim your No Sweat First Bet. Bet on how many three-pointers Steph Curry will make or how many t- points Jim, LeBron James or Jimmy Butler. Butler might score, and there's so many different ways to play, all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter here with former Steeler himself, Arthur Motes. Motes, let's let's talk a little bit about about the PZs because they're both PZ now. Like, you know, yeah. they they both played for this. They're gonna both have gonna have played for the Steelers. But you got a time to work under Joey Porter when he came yeah. back to coach with the Steelers. Did did you ever get a chance to kind of interact with young PZ, like you know Absolutely. PZ Junior? What was your impression of how he was how he took things in as a kid? Yeah, no, man, PZ Jr. was a sponge. Um, that was the beautiful thing with uh, PZ, big PZ. He was very involved. He would keep, you know, JPJ around the facility. We would see him and little Dino Tomlin. And mm-hmm. um, he also had his little cousin would always run around with them, man. And I remember 
how many times we'd be during OTAs and they're off on the side doing little footwork drills or they're supposed to be coming in, you know, at nine o'clock, but they don't overslept. And now, you know, Big P's, he's calling while we're in meetings and he's like, man, JJ's supposed to be up here by now, man. JJ overslept. And you're like, man, get him, Peasy, get him. So it was things like that, man. But, you know, it was just awesome to just see how, especially when you're talking JPJ, he was the one that always wanted to work. That was the one thing I do remember distinctly during my time here. And like I said, four years playing here, three with PZ as my 100% coach. Obviously, my first year here, he was the coach's assistant to uh, mm-hmm. Keith Butler. But that was the one thing that I always would remember. Man, JPJ would be the main one wanting to come up there consistently and put that work in. And to me, man, it's just it's awesome to see the full circle moment of him coming back to Pittsburgh where it all started for him. You see the baby pictures. You see the Super Bowl pictures, the pictures of him at Latrobe. I think of all of those moments, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. But I also just think for him in the sense of, man, you put your work in. Mm-hmm. You came out here and you made up your mind that this was going to be your dream. And even though your father had made it, that didn't guarantee that you would make it. But for him to still have this type of opportunity and put that type of work in and ultimately be able to turn himself into the 32nd overall pick, it's just like, man, major kudos to him because that is not easy to do, man. It's not. I mean, it, it is a challenge. It's a challenge to be drafted. It's a challenge Seriously, to be an undrafted man. player. Like, yeah. the, the, like I, I cover I cover pit football. There were quite a few guys who didn't get drafted and, and they got signed signed to teams to get to get an undrafted free agent yeah. chance. Some of those guys are amazing athletes. The, the explosiveness, yeah. the size, the strength, the work that they've yeah. put in to get where they go. I mean, it is not a slight to to make it into the to make it just a no. training camp. It means you're one of the best athletes in the world. Dude, so to just um, get an invite. Yes, that's, that's, I think that's the part people don't realize. I'm like, to just get an invite, those dudes are all conference. Those dudes are all Americans. Those dudes were player of the years at some place. Like, that's the competition level, though, man, when you're talking about, you know, the NFL. I, I, I feel you on that. One thing that I talked about immediately after the draft, we did a whole episode, you know, taking talking about, I think the Steelers are ready to get back to bully ball and, mm-hmm. and in, all, in all phases, just being the most physically dominant team on yeah. the field, nasty beat you up at, at all levels. And I, as much as we want to talk about that for Broderick Jones, we'll get to Keanu Benton in a little bit here and Darnell Washington. I think Joey Porter Jr. Fits that mold as well with the way that he plays. He hits hard. He flies in. He wants to make tackles. He's bumping and running receivers. And, and you know, I he's not this he's not the same trash talker that his dad is, but he does get in guys like he's not afraid to bark at you, and you need that. That in, exactly, yeah, you need that <laughs> as as a corner in the NFL because <laughs> that, that is such getting in someone's head, making sure that you're dominant and and kind of talk. All of that I think is a big part of what the Steelers need when we're talking about redefining what it means to be a Steelers cornerback. No, you're 100 right, man. He plays Steelers football. But it's no surprise. This is what he grew up around. His dad is Joey Porter. We know what JPZ do, man. Mr. Mm-hmm. Kick dirty. You missed out. Punch you in the face and get three sacks in the game. They shot me in Denver. So, yes, man, when you talk JPJ, man, he plays the game like a linebacker. Man, I watch him, man, when they try to throw screens on him. He is trying to annihilate def- uh, annihilate receivers. If you run the ball to, if you if he gets up a catch, he's pissed off. Like I love that energy. That's not cornerback energy. We know cornerbacks are usually pretty boys. They want to look good, flex on them, keep clean. PZ Junior, 
He's trying to hit something, man. He's trying mm-hmm. to be physical. He's trying to ragdoll guys. That's the beautiful part when you talk Steelers football. Think about what it used to look like out there. Think about, man, when you would talk about big, physical, long Steelers corners. That's what we're accustomed to seeing, man. Dudes getting manhandled. Yeah. And when you look at the we've handled the trenches both on offense and on defense. You look at what we brought in in terms of in the tight end room. You mm-hmm. see the identity that we're trying to push going forward. Peasy Junior fits that to a T, man. Absolutely. I mean, I just I laugh so much when you say they shot me in Denver. That is <laughs> that is a rallying cry in hey, Pittsburgh. <laughs> right. Who right like the who right? But Joey Porter Jr. When that was revealed after they beat the Colts in that yes. playoff game, and you hear Bill Cowher say, Peasy, don't say anything in the press. And he says, Man, they shot me in Denver. Like, yeah, oh my gosh. Denver. Like that is that is peak. That is peak. <laughs> right. And then the who right. But like that is peak peasy. When he was with the Steelers, yes, that identity that he yes. embraced. And again, I love it, man. Joey Porter Jr. has been like, hey, like I'm I'm my dad on the field, but I'm my mom everywhere else because yes, I know yes. I, I I can't be like that dad because he's not gonna be out here trying to fight, you know, Aaron Donald on a on a on a right, on the right, team right. bus or anything like that, the way Joey yeah. Porter Jr. tried to fight or Joey Porter Sr., excuse me, yes, tried to yes. fight Ray Lewis on a bus one time for so, what he said about Jerome Bettis. Listen, um, man, sometimes you know you gotta take the, the 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 pieces from this parent and some pieces from that parent, all right? Give me this part of your crazy. Give me this part of your chill. I'm going to take a little sprinkle of that crazy over there too, all right? And that's how you got to roll with it. I, I feel you on that. And, and, and part of that, I think, is also maybe a little bit of growth too because one thing I think that, you know, one one thing that I've heard like sprinkled around that was like, whoa, what I mean, what is Joy, what is Joy Porter Sr. going to be like at like Ravens games and Browns games and Bengals games? Like, is he going to, he's going to be fighting people in the stands. And I'm like, man. Oh my God. Like, he hasn't he been so far past to that. Ohio now, like, State to Michigan to right. Michigan State. <laughs> like, he has been in some rivalry areas where his son was at. And I get it. Yes, he's tied to these, he's tied to these NFL rivalries. He wasn't tied to, to, to his son's right, but hey, hey, hey CC, we, 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 we'll put it like this the yeah. best thing that happened for PZ senior was that the Cincinnati Bengals or the Baltimore Ravens or the Cleveland <laughs> Browns did not draft JPJ. As long as that didn't happen, he's gonna be just fine, right? Don't worry about it. him. But if they would have drafted him, oh, now, now that could be a little different, that could be a little weird. Yeah. That would that would be a little little funny. Yeah. That would be imagine like if if Joey Porter Sr. walked up into the Bengals facility right. with his son and it was right. just like, hey, so hey, uh it's week one, it's week one, game day. Pull up to the jury, pull up to the game, peasy. Yeah, is that Jerry Porter? Is that Jerry Porter? Is that when Jerry? they were so mad yeah. about that. Come on, man. Yeah. But I, I want to talk about some of these other defensive players they drafted, especially Benton and Herbig, because yeah. I think both of them they won't be and it's funny, they're both Wisconsin guys, but uh, both of them, I think they won't be asked too much right away, but they could be really good developmental pieces. We'll also get your thoughts on Corey Trice in a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter with Arthur Motes. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's former Steeler Arthur Motes on the show. Uh, Moats, let's talk a little bit about these other guys. We did a lot of talk about Joey Porter Jr. And I wanted to get your insights because I know that you saw him be around the Steelers organization years ago. But let's talk about, let's focus on Keanu Benton for a sec. 
I loved Keanu Benton in this draft class. I ranked him as my 33rd best player on the big board overall. Um, and they were, and I was thinking like, mm, if they're going to get him, the, 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 the latest they can get him is 49. I thought they might have to get him at 32 because I wasn't sure how far he'd fall back. But you see 6'4", very physical, still needs to develop more of a pass rush game, but still had six sacks last year. Yeah. Uh, a guy that's that's developing. But to me, he reminds me of, and I'm not saying exactly because he's, he's a bit shorter then, but he reminds me of the idea of Stephon Tuitt. A big mm-hmm. physical guy who's who can eat blocks, stuff the run first, and if he just keeps developing, he can be a serious pass rusher. And I, I think that is so needed in this Steelers defense right now. A young guy because they have they still have Cam Hayward, they still have Ogan Joby and Armin Watson for Hoko. So I think they, they got guys that can be veterans, but they needed a young guy with the Marvin Leal to be kind of like, hey, when when these vets are old and and they're they're not getting it anymore. You guys got to pick up the pick up the baton and, and keep that race run as a Steelers defensive front. How did you feel about Benton coming coming into this draft class? Yeah, man. Um, I was similar to you in terms of the rankings. I had him in my top five. I um, in terms of him, I didn't even view him as a pure nose or a pure three because I thought he could play both. That's right. what separated him from guys like a Siaki Aika, who I thought mm-hmm. was more of a traditional nose. And I thought that he was more further along in his development than a Brian Brissett per se. So with Keanu, man, I like his game a lot. Big physical guy. When you watch him in terms of run game, the way that he's able to control these interior offensive linemen, at times it looks like child's play when he's ragged on these guards or these little centers. And the thing that also is a little bit impressive, but it's kind of sneaky when you watch him, his short area quickness, B-gap to B-gap. He gets mm. a ton of tackles for loss, but it's because once he gets into that back, he's able to redirect so well. And that's something that a lot of big guys typically can't do. A Cam Hayward type, a Stefan Tua type, yeah. But those are rare typically. Most of the time is one or the other. Either the guy is more athletic, but he's not going to have the strength to be able to manhandle these guys, or they're going to have the strength and not be able to redirect. But it looks like, Keanu has both, at least at the collegiate level. And that's something that I feel like was even more intriguing for the Steelers. And then the last part was this. We know what Coach Tomlin, man, he's always trying to figure out a way to make 46 people on game day 53. And how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Guys that play multiple positions. Keanu could play the nose. He could play the one technique. He could play the three technique. And as you already said, you can bump him out there to the five technique in in, in enough time. And he'll be able to play that in the base defense as well. When you're talking about having a guy with his size, his athletic ability, and be able to play all of those positions at a varsity level, that is a weapon on game day. And that's something that we essentially, I think that's another reason why we decided to drag Keanu, but definitely excited about him, man. He's going to bring a lot to that D-line. Another question I had here, where does he fit if the Steelers run a 3-4 defense? Because... Mm -hmm. We talked about his versatility here, right? And mm-hmm. they did again. They got Fahoko, uh, Braden Fahoko. They got uh, Armin Armin Watts, guys who are veterans. But could Keanu step in, step his way into nose, or maybe bump Cam Hayward to nose? Because mm-hmm. we know that he's done that a couple times, yeah. and and make Betton the, the starter, or make Liao the starter. But where do you where do would you yeah. want to do you want to see Betton working the most when you when you come to the yeah. Trove and see him in training camp? To me, I start him at the nose. I think when you're talking about defense. The closer you are to the ball, the less responsibility. It's more just physical and less thinking. 
when you start bumping them out further and further away, it's just going to be a little bit more responsibilities. How you plan this block, this cutoff versus, you know, you need to be in this gap. When you're at that nose, he just has to get off that ball. Just be a man. If you if the center is quick, all right, stay in that backside A gap. If you're fast in the center, okay, cool, stay in that front side A, but it simplifies it. And when you're talking about a young player, mm-hmm. you're always trying to simplify. You want it to be as easy so they can just play fast. And eventually, you start to bump them out and get them some reps further out. You start to flirt with them playing the five technique. But to me personally, we know Cam. Cam is an all-pro DN. He's not an all-pro nose tackle. Can he play nose tackle? Yes. But he moonlight says that. So I don't want to take him from what he's dominant at to put him in something that he's just okay at. Whereas when I think of uh, Keanu, I just feel like early on, he's going to be able to do that and do that at a high level because he's young, he's physical and strong as heck. And that's going to create natural issues for these centers because he's not going to be facing a ton of centers that are going to be bigger than him. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's where I start him at. And then I just feel like as he continues to get better understanding of the defense, how you shift your gaps, because we, we rotate. That's the other part. We don't just stay static. And, and you, you've seen it plenty of times. We will flip a call, flip a blitz. And now you got to be able to know, okay, I was doing this. Now I have this responsibility. College, they don't do that often. So that's going to be something that he's going to have to adapt to. But to me, man, I'm starting him at that nose tackle early. I feel you on that. And if they could get him, if they could get a, a guy like him who beats up people, I mean, you remember what Javon Hargrave did for Absolutely. the Steelers. He, that's he, where he got to start at. Nose. Yep. Getting yep. getting in their nose. And eventually mm-hmm. now he's making big money with the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. Playing just three the Super technique, Bowl. one technique, doing the nice stuff. But early mm-hmm. on, nose. It's the easiest for young, big interior D linemen. And eventually they either stay there. Or you grow from that. You graduate from that position. But that's that's where you started, man. I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about about uh, Nick Herbig. Come on, baby. Come they, they on, get, baby. They got an outside linebacker. That's your TJ, position. Man. That's little TJ. Um, I, uh, no, you get out of here. Uh, <laughs> but it is cool to get uh, you know a Wisconsin dude who had time. I mean, there's the videos of him, of TJ showing him different pass rush moves and yeah. different things to work on. So clearly, there will be a connection there. Um, and there won't be pressure on him to start, of course, but there will be pressure, I think, of him to maybe be that first edge that comes off the comes off the bench and gives Highsmith and Watt their breathers. But you know, one, I thought it was ironic that it was Alex and Lamar who announced him from the from their 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 little flag football camp or whatever. Announce picks, man. man you was... gotta be careful when it's a contract. You you announce the pick, baby. Be careful. What, let's get your thought of that. What What do you think Alex Highsmith is thinking when he sees that right there? Hey, the same thing I was thinking when I was at the draft and we took TJ the, the night before. I was like, man, why y'all bring me out here for this? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stay at home for this, man. This is nonsense. <laughs> uh, but if, I, I feel you on that because, you know, being a veteran in the yeah. NFL, you you, you can never is, count where your, next, right. where your next paycheck's coming, right? And we, all, and we also know it's a business. And mm-hmm. what – and what benefits the business war? Cheap labor. How do I get cheap labor? Don't pay the veteran, draft the young guy. Resets yeah. the clock, man. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking if I was Highsmith. But in all seriousness, though, man, Highsmith, I think he still gets his money. It's I think so, be too. A negotiation, but I think he's earned that he's homegrown, great kid on mm-hmm. and off the field. Um, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. But I do agree, man. I think early on, Nick, he's the third rusher. To me, I feel like he's the most polished when you watch how he rushes. 
he does he has moves has similarities yeah he, and and this is the thing that was funny to me before i ever knew about him and tj having a connection i'm watching i'm just like yeah you do certain things that tj does being able to see rookie year tj it's like man you have a lot of similarities of how he would move how he would bend and i like the positional flexibility of him being a guy that could play left and right a mm-hmm. lot of edge rushers man they like to just be right dominant or left dominant and when you can only play one side, it hinders what you can do. I can't put you on the field if all you can play is left and we got TJ Watt. I can't put you on the field if all you play is right and we got Alex Highsmith. But right. he can play both. And when you look at how he was utilized, shout out to Jim Leonard, too, the coach that was, uh, that's over there, one of my former teammates up in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. He had him dropping into coverage. He had him doing certain things from a zone capacity, hook drops, curl flat drops. A lot of the same principles that he's going to be asked to do here. I want to know, though, if he's going to be able to handle it if they put a little bit more on his plate and allow him to moonlight and do some of the stuff in the inside linebacker room too. I think he has some of that potential, but it's really going to be up to him if he can mentally handle it. Because when you're talking about going and playing inside and outside, it can be a lot. And when you're a rookie, you don't want to start spinning. You don't want, you know, the right. inside and the outside to mush together. That hurts you more than it helps you. So that's going to be the, the thing that I think, you know, will determine how fast we see him be moved around. But early on, I think he's the third rusher. I'm right with you on that. Um, it, it, because also with with him being, you know, the potential of being an off-ball guy, like you said, that's going to take time to learn. I mean, yeah. the Steelers asked you to do that as a veteran. No, it, it, it wasn't took time, easy. Man. It took time. Um, even when I came into the NFL, very similar. Well, actually, I was a little bit worse off than uh, a little bit worse off than uh, Nick. Because for me, I had never dropped into coverage when I was at college. And I get to the NFL and it's like, we want you to transition from playing outside to now play inside and learn these mm-hmm. coverages, these concepts. And the zone is fine. But when you're talking about the matching concepts and how to exchange routes, that's the tricky part. And that's what we do yeah. a ton of here in Pittsburgh. And that's the part where if your communication isn't up to snuff, if you don't understand splits in depth and at what level is it at five yards is this exchange happening? Is it quick exchange? Is it a slow exchange? Is it at 10 yards? It's different ways that they're going to play all of that. And he has to be buttoned up both from the inside linebacker part and from the outside linebacker part. But it's going to be a challenge for him to learn that, just speaking from personal experiences. But if he can grasp it, I just feel like he has the potential to really, you know, be a productive player for this defense. I feel you on that. And Let's talk about that line, that line, off-ball linebacker position yeah. as it stands now. Because again, you're a defensive guy. You study, you study like all sides of the ball, but you played that side. Are the Steelers making a mistake not adding more to that position through the through the draft this year? Because they went and signed, they did, they let go Miles Jack, they let go Devin Bush, uh, they let go Robert Spillane. So their top three guys are all gone from last year. They bring in Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts, two guys who wore C's on their chest at their last location. So they're captains, but. Neither of them are like X factor type inside mm-hmm. linebackers, guys that, that that look like Roquan Smith, where you look mm-hmm. at over to the, the Ravens over there. And behind them, you got Mark Robinson, Tanner Moore. Oh, don't, 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 don't just don't just say, oh, we just got Mark Robinson. But you he's, he's a Mark, second year on, player. Like you're supposed to go crazy with Mark Everybody goes crazy with Mark Robinson. You're supposed to go crazy and be like, we got Mark Robinson. That's like Bobby Wagner over there. You know that he's young Bobby Wagner. That's how you're supposed to go with it, man. Everybody knows that. That's what we do in Pittsburgh. So why are you trying to act funny and stop playing like that now? Now all of a sudden you don't want to crown him. So, so you ain't going to crown him after a couple games with some good snaps. You don't want to crown him now. That's crazy. 
I love your sarcasm because you do such a good job at selling that you're really serious sometimes. And I'm like, I know Moats, but there's someone out there that's watching this. Like, is he nuts? Like, I'm like, no. Right now? Like, but, 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 and this isn't to slight Mark Robinson it's or, or, or no, Tanner Muse or those guys. Respect, yeah. But it's, it's looking for guys that either had a high pedigree coming out of the draft or had good tape as a pro, as a starter who could lock that position down mm-hmm. and make it a consistent thing here. And again, I like Cole Holcomb. I like Landon Roberts. I don't know enough about these other guys and how they'll fit into the Steelers system to say, I like them. Like I, I do this yeah. thing at the beginning of the season where either you're uh you're a, you're a check Mark, a plus or, or, or a question Mark or a minus if I think you're bad, but like, you know, most guys like Cole Holcomb, I see him as a check Mark because check I think mark, like he's yeah. going to get the job done. TJ yeah. Watt a plus cause he's just the doggone yeah. man. But you know, if the Steelers, you know, if the Steelers started, uh, uh, um, uh, who was that? Keanu Benton, he'd be yeah. a question mark. I need to see how he's going to play, Absolutely. you know, on the, on the offensive line. Uh, you know, Broderick Jones and Isaac Samalo, they're both question marks. I need to see yeah. how they're going to they're going to play there. But you know, I, I see uh, when, I, when I look at Najee Harris, when I look at George Pickens, I see those guys as check marks and pluses. Mm-hmm. But where do you see this linebacker group at? What yeah. do we need to go get somebody? Yeah, so it's a unique scenario right now with the linebacking group. You feel good about the veterans in terms of Cole Holcomb and the Landon Roberts, both captains, but both good players, both Mike linebackers. Yes. They are very similar. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, Cole is the athletic one. It's like, yeah, but it's like arguing about pickup trucks. Is the Raptor faster than the F-150 regular? Like, sure, <laughs> but it's still a pickup truck, man. Like, I get it, right. you know? So with that, I feel great if it's a running game. I feel great, you know, when we're talking about just the overall leadership of the position. But there are some question marks when you're talking about if a team decided to play the small ball game with us and make us have to cover, make us have to deal with athletic tight ends and running backs for four quarters and really highlighted those guys, we would be in trouble. Now, we have a Band-Aid solution, and that's – Keanu Neal in the background, or right. I feel like he's the guy that becomes your pseudo dime linebacker, your Morgan Burnett, your your uh, Terrell Edmonds. When we were doing the three safety look, he would be the guy that would kind of walk down in that box. You saw that a lot. I think it was versus the Falcons last year, definitely the Panthers mm-hmm. game. So I would see Keanu Neal being that guy. But once again, when you start flirting with everything being package related, it becomes a telltale sign for the offense. It's easy to scheme it. If I know I can call a certain personnel group and that's going to make you put Keanu Bit or Keanu Neal out there at linebacker, well, now I can start scheming things up for that. Now I can start coming up with a plan for that. If I know if I put this personnel grouping out there, you're going to have to keep these two linebackers because you don't have another alternative. Well, now I can really scheme that up. And that's, like I said, just the, the gray or not the grayer, but the the little bit dangerous zone you go into with our current situation. This is real similar to when we had first lost Ryan Shazier and we would get real package heavy where it was Vincent and Larry, it would be LJ Ford, or then it would be one with Morgan Morgan Burnett. Then it would be, okay, this one has- um, Sean Spence, um, when y'all Sean brought him Spence, back. Like, like everything was real package related. So eventually, man, you do enough games like that, teams are gonna be able to say, this makes them do this. And if we know what you're gonna do before you do it, now I can scheme up something to get you. And like I said, that's the part that we got to just be careful with. So I would not be surprised if we still did decide to get an athletic linebacker, one of these veteran guys that are potentially out there 
around training camp time. I know in terms of the names off the top of my head, I think Miles Jack is one of the ones that's most familiar. But when you're talking about bringing guys back after they just got released, it's always just iffy. Yeah, not it's it's not a guaranteed you know? thing. Yeah, but I could definitely see them potentially flirting with bringing in something. I mean, we saw that even in the secondary, right? They didn't get a chance to draft the slot corner. They bring in Shannon Sullivan. When you talk Shannon Sullivan, that is a legitimate starting slot corner in the NFL. So you at least feel good about that room. No different than Arthur Maletta a year prior to that. So I can see us doing something similar, honestly. I feel you on that. And there are some guys out there that you could still look at. Rashawn Evans. Yeah, he's, uh, yep. he's, he's, he's 27 years old, so he's yeah. around that range. Zach Cunningham's, I think, yeah. is, is, is still a person. Zach there is are always some... weird for me, man, because, yeah. you know, Zach ended up getting a, a ton of money down in Houston, then mm-hmm. obviously went to Tennessee. Um, I just don't know if he fits, though. Right. You know, like, it's just, it, I, I just it's, it's a different style of play that he'll be playing here that'd be the only thing man but you're right though man it is it's not a ton of options either right and then that that's why i'm bringing up those names because like i look around the one there's not a lot of linebackers floating around too there's not a lot of linebackers that i think fit what you're looking for if you're the the Steelers like like Anthony Barr is a a, a free agent but at 31 years old do you want to bring him in or do you want to bring a guy in his 20s in who at at worst he becomes a special teams answer for you the way Tanner Muse projects to be I just I'm with you can I wait for for Ruben Foster to finish his uh USFL season and then just give him a little little uh vet men tryout can can I do that Ain't no problem with it. It was what's funny. What's <laughs> funny was yeah. what's funny was I loved Reuben Foster's tape in college. He was a dog. He, he, he yeah. was he was a dog. He was a dog. And I was looking at that and I was like, hmm, what if the Steelers mm-hmm. got him and then they drafted TJ Watt? I'm like, well, that works. Uh, but you know, but then Reuben Foster went in, got into trouble with the law, yeah. and then you know, fizzled out of the league. Mm-hmm. You know, but the Steelers, they need to be looking for answers here. And we've yeah. seen Omar Khan be aggressive to get certain answers, whether it's yeah. trading away Clay, Chase Claypool. Get it, bringing in guys, going and getting free agents that fit right, right, the right pieces. Mm-hmm. I think that they do need one more move at at least at linebacker to add another veteran presence who maybe a little bit quicker, maybe a little bit faster. Guy can help a little bit more against the pass mm-hmm. because, like you said, you go back to the the the, the Shazier year when he got hurt. And initially, you guys held it down. You guys were able to keep it together. Heck, I mean, you guys beat. We all, yeah, we beat yeah. Baltimore to win the division right, right after that. Mm-hmm. But the problem was, you put that scheme on tape too many times, yep. and now we can scheme you up. Now and I'm going to call this group and to get that person to come out here, and now I'm mm-hmm. going to call this play because he can't do that. And then when you put him out there, I'm going to do the alternative and get him out. So, yeah. Exactly, and then and then people complain. Why does Mike Tomlin keep putting linebackers on receivers? It's, it's, it's not a it's not yes, a game plan. Yes. It's, it, it, it's I promise you, I offenses promise try to do. I promise you, when Coach Tomlin woke up that day, he did not say we're going to put linebackers <laughs> on number three receivers. He did not say that. That was not the game plan. But you know what happens when you keep running the same things because personnel wise we don't have the different person we were limited at the time that's what you have to do and it's a cliche and it's funny but it's real they get paid too and if they did not make those adjustments they would be fired because that's what they're supposed to do no different when we see a team bring an extra offensive lineman in we are licking our chops we're like yep we know what this means blitz it let's go a fullback comes on the field hey follow him around we know he's gonna take us somewhere 
Right. So it's certain players we know, man, this comes with that. But, yeah, it's just. I mean, you even look back things, at the, the year after that when they tried to get John mm. Bostic, and the mm. Chargers were just like, spread them out. Let's yeah. let's bring out our running backs, let's spread them forward. out, make, make throw, him throw right at him. He can't, he can't cover space. that. And I yeah. think that that's a liability that is still on this Steelers roster right now. Who knows? Maybe Holcomb and the Roberts will prove me wrong. But yeah. I think that they should prepare themselves. They have, I think they have the salary cap space to yeah. prepare themselves yeah. to address it, get at least one more guy in the room that can help you there, and then go to yeah. training camp and see what kind of packages you can draw up. Moats, appreciate you so much for all the insights oh, man, that, that, that you love, bring baby. here. Let people that can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, man, without a doubt, man. Um, so yeah. Just tap in on YouTube, tap my name in, Arthur Motes. And then uh, if not there, ArthurMotes.com, and you'll find all my info, all my media stuff. And you know I'm always on those social medias at Dubody52. <laughs> Dubody. I, I, I love that. Don't cross the Motes. Hey. Appreciate you as always, Motes. Uh, you can always find me, Chris Carter, your host of the Lockdown Steelers podcast on on uh, on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can also read my work at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, where I write all things pit, pit athletics. You can also find this show, the Lockdown Steelers podcast, all all week long, Monday through Friday, on your favorite podcasting app, and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy if you enjoy this show. Subscribe to this channel to get all of those episodes that we're talking out talking about. If you want to help us out even more. Please go to Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars with a positive comment. You do both of them at the same time, and you get a special shout-out like this person. We've got Dust Dicho from the UK saying, UK fans must listen with a five-star review. Says, love being kept informed with everything Steelers from Chris. Living in England, this is such good coverage, especially in the offseason. It's great getting up at midnight to watch the draft coverage and seeing all the players Chris called out actually getting picked by the Steelers. This guy knows his stuff, and all I can say is let's get into it. That's a real fan if he knows my catchphrase. Appreciate you just there. We also have another five-star review we'll read on tomorrow's show. Motes, again, thank you for joining us, and thank you all for checking out the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Check us out tomorrow. We give our Thursday episode continuing to break down more parts of this draft class. 